Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is an exciting week of Take Two. We got Greg Hughes out of the house. Citizen Hughes. (laughs) Citizen Hughes is busy uh, being a citizen today. Uh, We have an actual state auditor in the house, Frugal Jugal. Frugal Dougal, John Dougal. I was trying to say it all together, and it didn't come out. Frugal Jadougal. <laughs> and, of course, the marvelous, okay. instead of Mrs. Maisel. Nice. Yeah, okay. Mara Carabello. So thank you for being here. Oh, it's nice to be here. We had this great chat without you guys. We always come in and have, like, group fun before we um, re- hit record on the podcast, but... We're talking about reminiscing about what it's like to be a senior these days in high school. Senior and teenager fun, and I was learning about Assassin's Creed. No, what do we call it? Senior assassin. Senior assassin is what the school that I'm affiliated with. I have a senior in high school. Watch out for those water guns. They do. They have get get water guns. They get a target. It's absolutely not sanctioned by the school. The school underlines that and exclaims it. And not just school, schools. schools it's going on which all around. Which only means that you have a 15 minute leeway to and from school activities. And you assassins have to follow rules. Hunt down your, <laughs> we all know that. And whatever kid wants to play plays, they put in seven bucks. The winner gets. They need to the do pool. this their sophomore year because some kids like finally hit their stride their senior year and then they're like knowing everyone and hanging out with them. And I'm like, why didn't we do this three years ago? Yeah, guys? it would. It sounds fun. I yeah. mean, you stalk you. I know. know. Well, I'm sitting here with seven bucks. Is this a game of skill or chance? Good question. There are elaborate plans. And I will say, um, you know, we'll take a moment of silence. My daughter, she She was eliminated this week. week. But she She, immediately. mix up her routine. No, she she didn't mix it up. I mean, there's some fault there. But she immediately was like, I'm joining so-and-so, and and we're going to find so-and-so. So. She's now become a chess so there's master. A, there's an afterlife. <laughs> yeah, there's an afterlife. There's more. So it's it's kind of good fun. It is. It feels like I'm sure if I owned a business or had You'd a group of kids waiting in my bushes with water guns, but I think it, it's kind of good fun. I know. I kind of want to find some people I can do it with, some grownups we to just could like start mix up this. some fun in our lives. Yes. Maybe yeah. maybe the next legislative session. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Interim day would be yeah. a little bit zizzled up if we did. But maybe so if you don't want to let look wet at work, maybe you could just use like the Nerf guns, so yeah. you could just shoot each other that way, and they, you don't have to be wet if you've got an important meeting. We to have come baskets up. of Nerf guns at Exoro. I'm saying, I think, and it's we a good have idea. lots of bullets too. Hmm. See, I think they're fun, Nerf, but Nerf I don't bullets. like having Nerf to, bullets. I don't like I to have say. to gather them up afterwards. Yeah. It always seems no, like that a lot is, of work. It is a lot of work. Okay. And always one rolls under the copying machine. Mm, this yeah. sounds fun. And we should also note that uh, there were some crimes committed by the state auditor in his past life. Is that a crime oh, to toilet right. paper? I kid. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was joking I about the these flashbacks, and I TP'd somebody's house, and the next day was Sunday morning, and at church, so the mom of my friend brought the toilet paper and said, I think you left us How early else. was church? Because that's an organized mom. Oh, I think it was like 9 o'clock. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. 
That's a mom mm-hmm. who gets her kids up and gets stuff done. I toilet papered someone when I was super young. I toilet paper people all the time. Who are we kidding? But one time my mom found out we were pretty young, and uh, she made us go clean it up, get flowers for the neighbor, and pay her some money from wow. our babysitting money. And I was like, wow. Mom, like this is not like a criminal conviction. This was just fun. Yeah. And as so, we know, three strikes you're out. It yeah, wasn't a deterrent, was it? No, it was went. not a deterrent. We just planned things better and waited <laughs> right. a lot longer and right. went further from our home so that they wouldn't really know how to trace it So you it did back. learn a lesson. That yes. was good. <laughs> yes, we did. Well, for, Watch for when Heidi TPs the newsroom. Yeah. I know, so watch out. Um, but I think these are all important lessons in politics. You have to be thinking ahead, thinking nimble, getting around things, right? So Vary your travel yes, patterns. Just the <laughs> basics. Watch, watch, watch for the opposition. I know. What kind of podcast is this? Well, uh, we got to talk about flooding because we're going to talk about it every till, day till June. But interestingly enough, in this last week... Oh, given um, how much snow, it might be July or August, right? Right. Um, the governor declared a state of emergency, which is good because the legislature appropriated $5 million... And we already used that up, Mara. It was like chump change. Yeah, chump I mean, change. good news for us. We're a prepared state. We are in good financial conditions. We probably have some pockets that we can dip into if we need emergency yeah. money. pockets of reserves yeah. that we call rainy so, day funds. Yeah, we're in an, an apt rainy day fund name this year. So, I, you know, good, good form. He goes early. It frees up funds. It frees up yeah. a dialogue. And, yeah, it looks like we're just starting. And I know we're not supposed to wish for the warm weather right now because that's what causes the flooding, but I'm too cold, it and my trees chilly. have no leaves. I'm starting to get grouchy, so I'm like, ah. But the, yeah. I've heard well, the capital's looking pretty, though. Yeah, the uh, cherry blossoms are just barely starting to come out, and nice. so in another couple Which weeks, we it should look awesome. Washington, D.C. missed, I mean, had a really short cherry blossom season. Well, and so last year, here. we had it in late March was mm. when everybody was up there taking pictures because it was and so And they're beautiful. just starting, you're and saying? they're just barely starting this week. Nice. Interesting. Okay, so we've been talking about Senator Romney and whether he will run for a second term or not. You haven't been here, so I want to get your take on this. Um, do you think in your heart of hearts he's running, or is he just running out the clock and then telling us he's not going to run in a few weeks? Um, I, I think he's probably doing the calculus to see what's the likelihood that he can win again, and I think he's on the bubble. In certain circumstances, he might have a chance to win, but in other circumstances, uh, he's not that popular in the Republican Party, which makes it very difficult. Do you think he'll get a gauge of that at um, the convention this weekend? Possibly. I'm not sure if his plan is to be there, but you know, if he's speaking, it should give him a gauge of what the delegates think. Because last time around, there was a little heckling, if I remember, when a, he was a on little. stage. A little, a little yeah. heckling. And the interesting thing, uh, Mara, is there's another pullout. We looked at a poll last week, and there's a new one from Deseret News and Hinckley. And this one kind of gives a mixed message of whether or not he could actually win. But when you look at the category, and I should say they spoke to people between March 14th and 22nd, so that was almost a month ago. But 21% are strongly approving of his job um, that he's doing. 31% somewhat approve. 18% somewhat disapprove, 26% strongly disapprove, and 4% don't know. So there's a wide varying range of where people stand on him. Does this give him any good news, you think, in here? Yeah, I mean, 52% is such a strong number, and what it tells you is probably the majority of all Utahns support Romney. Bad news for Romney is before he gets to all Utahns, he goes through Republicans. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
you know, there's the convention. He would most certainly go for the signature gathering effort. But it would be interesting in this Dan Jones poll would be to isolate the Republicans. I think right now you have to have a conversation about how he is perceived among Utah Republicans because they're the path to getting on a general ballot. So I think most people believe that Romney would do well on a general ballot. And I think most people believe that he would tip over um, and do just fine in a general election. But do enough Republicans feel uh, strongly about him? Here's the one thing, you know, to the question of his decision-making. One of the fun, I'm going to say fun things about watching Romney's decision-making is he just has so many more choices than other people do. So this man has... Like which house to go stay at when he goes home? Which which to contemplate. Which which one do you stay at? (laughs) Well, I stay at the one I have. No, I was referring to the... He has run so many elections. He's had so many staffers. He knows how to do it. So if if you were a first-term incumbent and you... You know, we were talking the other day about a staffer that left. Mm-hmm. Now, for a first-term incumbent, you might be like, holy cow, they lost a key staffer. Romney's had, to his credit, this is, this is to his credit, he's had dozens of key staffers. He's been a governor. He's been a senator. He's, he's served for so long that he has the expertise and the he's broader resources to really make this decision super late, much later than I think most people will, obviously. I think he, you know, I think he's making this decision. Well, and and Mara, to your point, I mean, the last poll I saw of Republicans, the majority disapproved of what he's doing right now. So that makes that a very difficult path. I think he looked at the McMullen independent path that didn't play out as well as maybe folks thought it might for certain folks. Yeah, I don't think he was looking at that. I'll also disagree in that his numbers are as soft as Mike Lee's were in many ways. So, I mean, he's not an anomaly here. Yeah. He's, he's got soft numbers. He doesn't have strong super negatives. Their yeas and nays he come has from different categories. Numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is, I don't know if I'm just paying attention more because we're getting to the point where he's making uh, decisions or if he just seems to be, I don't know what, but he seems to be taking kind of some very conservative stands right now on some of the committee hearings that he's in. And it might just be the issues he's dealing with, or maybe it's because, you know, he's trying to stay in the news cycle. But um, just this week, he um, pretty forcefully gave uh, the Biden administration an F on border security. And he said, if given a grade that, on that how... That high of a grade? Yeah, that high, right? <laughs> if given a grade on how they address the crisis at our southern border, the administration would clearly get an F, he said, by trying to solve the problems of other countries, a naive task. They've taken their eye off the ball. The focus must be on securing the border. And he encouraged um, during this committee hearing to finish building the wall. And I think that while he's disagreed morally with um, former President Trump on a lot of issues, one thing that he has agreed with Mara is build the wall and a lot on some of these border security issues. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said is so true for me in this statement. It's this strong political statement. The irony of someone who's a sitting senator or sitting representative saying that the president hasn't taken care of this problem, I would sort of turn that mirror back around and say, hello, legislature. What have you done? But we would all be giving, I I would join those in giving Biden a low grade. I'm not suggesting that I think the Biden administration has handled. How low? Well, I mean, I disagree with him that we shouldn't solve um, related problems. I believe that America is a problem solver, but we, we don't have a structure and a system that works. We don't have, I mean, the Republicans proffered a plan this this week that sort of took away a, a, the only path we have to legal immigration. But I do think there's some irony in the legislative system saying to the government, to, but to your point, 
by doing that, it's a highly political move. And it's interesting yeah. that Romney's making highly political moves right now. Many Utahns, and I'm guessing a ton of our listeners probably have met or have an appointment with him. He is meeting people a lot. He's taking photos. He's yes. really out and about right now in a significant way. And this is a really good example of doing some hardline Republic, capital R Republican immigration is a key issue for many, particularly firmly right of center Republicans. And and again, I think this is a highly political thing. Yeah. There, there's some criticism to be had of a, again of a legislator saying wish it's not being handled. I wish this Congress could get something done themselves, but um, obviously the Biden administration is making some decisions. If you gave him a letter to grade, let's say President Biden on this specific issue, what would you give him, Mr. Dougal? Oh, failing definitely. But but as Mara said, Congress is failing. Yeah. And and immigration has been an issue that they've been failing on for decades, mm -hmm. decades and decades. And I'm sorry, building the wall is still failing on immigration. That is not going to deal with the safety that so many want to. It's somewhat a distraction. There are many other things that we need to be doing to solve the immigration problem. Yeah, I know. So I really do hope, because there's so many things from um, getting DACA kids figured out to um, getting the right work visas for people to come and the right process processes. I just think there's so much that can be done on both sides that I wish they could just really sit down and make some decisions together, Republicans and Democrats being friends, and if not friends, at least um, people who respect each other enough to make some decisions, because it drives me nuts. All right, we've got to talk about Governor DeSantis. Uh, he is going to be headlining the Utah GOP convention on Saturday, and uh, the big question is, is this practice for a stump speech? Is he really trying to figure it out? Uh, what do you think, John? Is I'm this... pretty sure he's not going to be wearing Mickey Mouse ears when he comes to speak to us. Probably not. He's at war right now. <laughs> Disney versus DeSantis. Uh, I, I think this is uh, still working those trial things in preparation for a campaign. I, you know, I think that's probably one of the worst kept secrets around. I think he is gearing up to run. There's all the posturing. You see Trump reacting to him. So, Are Utah delegates a friendly crowd to him or they're a huge percentage in there that really want Trump to run still. He is running and will back him. Um, I think you've got a couple different camps. There's some that really like Ron DeSantis, and there's some that like Trump, but recognize that he's not the future, he's the past. And so DeSantis is a lot like Trump in various ways that they're going to like. So I think he's going to play well to a lot of the Republicans and a lot of the delegates. Do you have a feeling yet, or are you waiting to see how big the crowd gets? We got Nikki uh, in terms, Well, I, I did join the group of, of legislators and other officials months ago, incurring uh, Governor DeSantis to consider jumping in and you know, exploring a run for uh, president. So I was part of that group because I think he brings a lot to the debate. Um, clearly, I think there's going to be other great candidates that step forward. And so I'll have to see who I endorse if I endorse any of them. It'll be exciting. Uh, what do you think when you're watching this? Is Utah going to be a friendly crowd for him? Because I'm guessing that he's making his steps wisely of making sure that he doesn't go to places where he gets booed out of the room where it wasn't really yeah. a successful um, day of speaking. This is such a great move by his advance team. There's just no downside to this because even those people who may not have jumped on the DeSantis bandwagon, he hasn't gone far enough for us to boo him, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be a friendly crowd. It's going to be a polite crowd. I think he's a seasoned speaker. Um, I think he can trot out some red meat here safely. Whether you're DeSantis or not, you're ready for Republican red meat at the Republican state convention. Right. So he, that's a crowd he likes. That's a language style he likes. He's an A-lister for us. Like, again, whether you like him or not like him, he's 
big league. And so that's really small, a smart move for him. And if anybody leaves out the part where he is, if not cashing a check, he is warming up the checkbooks while he's here. Utah has, in the last kind of four or five years particularly, it has grown a great reputation for being a state to stop in for a luncheon and get some money. And um, I, I know, you know, really smart campaigns. And this actually is interestingly true of national Democrats as much as it is national Republicans. But we've become a pretty good um, stop and go for fundraising. Yeah. So I suspect that it's not only a warm-up for his red meat voice, but it is a warm-up for um, working some cash. Get some money some out of those wallets. Yeah. It's true. The one thing I like about um, – the way things have been changing in the last few years is I feel like we've been an ATM state where they'll literally just, you know, drive on I-80, right. stop in Park City, get some money and run, is that we actually are getting some more public-ish events, even mm-hmm. though this isn't really a public event on Saturday, where more people can hear who aren't donating and, you know, can mm-hmm. be a part of the political process where I think they're staying a little bit longer. They treat us sort of like an ATM, but then take us out to dinner afterwards, yeah, we which get, is we nice. get a lunch out. Yes, which is a good deal. Um are you watching for anything to happen this weekend where you're thinking, okay, I really want to see what happens at the convention that could maybe uh, turn some tides here in Who's going to be secretary? Be Who's going to be treasurer? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about the platform. I really want to hear, hear hours two and three of the platform. No, I do think it'll be early tellings on how energized. I think a question in general is how energized are the Republicans coming into the election are factions going to really show themselves in a negative way, or is it all going to be positive faction? Like, there's a version where a like, good ruckus is helpful. And so I'm I'm not sure. It does seem, well, I think we'll talk about this in a second, but it seems like the leadership races are going to be pretty orderly. Um, so it really is about early positioning on a hot Senate race that could happen in Utah, as we just spoke of with Mitt Romney. And um, just, like, who had the energy I do think is an interesting read for Republicans nationally. Yeah. Um, One interesting thing is right now there's really no one else running against him. Um, Robert Axon for the chair. Mike Byrd um, was running but withdrew. That's a loss for Senator um, Lee's campaign. But do either of you know a lot about him and what he'll do for the party? Anyone? Rob is a good, level-headed guy. He's hardworking. He's well-connected. As you mentioned, he, uh, he worked for Senator Lee for many years and stuff like that. So... So he's going to be a great chair, I believe. I also will say all of his early stuff is about working, which is nice to see. I mean, I think he would be a chair that really wants to have these achievable goals that he really brings people in and works through with them. Yeah, and Mike was also a great guy, but because of work commitments, he had to pull out of the race. So, So for chair, you know, two years ago, we had very contentious kind of leadership races. This, the chair and, and the vice chair are going to be by acclamation. And that was interesting because that was just last go around, wasn't it, when the governor kind of had his list of people he'd kind of picked out and really wanted to see in leadership. And uh, delegates really went in the complete opposite direction. So is this more of a kumbaya moment where we're going in and kind of know who we're going to have and everyone supports him? Or We're certainly looking at experienced political operatives. I'm going to put a small O. I don't mean that 
you know, in uh, a but, negative sense. But, yeah, but, I don't mean that negatively. Mm -hmm. You're looking at people who have participated in the system before. Carson was much more of a vision. He knew he knew little about the block and tackle of the party, and it's what we wanted. And I think he served well. This is moving to a style in which I think these people are highly familiar with the role of the party. They're highly familiar with. Um, delegates and the system and how it works and how you interact with elected officials. So I think we're going back more to a traditional style of um, a, 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 politi a political scientist, someone who's always been interested in politics, is now looking like they'll run the party and make the choices. All right. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I will be there all day, and I'm hoping that it's not all Stop all and say, day. Hi. say hi. I will be there. Yes, I know. So uh, my focus is going to be on Governor DeSantis and then also State Auditor Dougal to see what happens there. So <laughs> I'm hoping that they don't fight over rules all day long, and maybe we get a break to go out into the, I'd say sunshine, but I think it'll just be less cold if we wanted to take a break outside. So I'll be excited to see what happens there. Are you bringing the soccer ball for us to kick around, soccer mom? I am not good at kicking a soccer ball. No, I but, actually, but you're good at watching your soccer I am good at watching. <laughs> I was trying to shag some balls for the kids the other day because they were wasting so much time on the clock, and I tried to kick one over the fence. To, it went in the complete opposite direction, so it was not really a you good move. You can bring your sa same setup, though. Do you have, like, a lawn chair and your yeah. beverage? And yes, you can, and just, you like, can set up on the side. Put a little umbrella. And a, yeah. And yeah. a big coat. Yeah, big, big coat. I do need yeah. a big coat. So, yes, watch for me. I'll be the soccer mom ready to go on Saturday. I'll have snacks in my bag if anyone needs them. <laughs> I'm prepared. Sliced watermelon? No, orange I, slices? What, what orange kind of treats? Slices. I did peel my son an orange for the game, and then I saw his backpack on the floor this morning, and there was an orange that had been unpeeled because I'm that nice that I peel it so he'll actually eat it, wow. and he still didn't eat it. Wow. Guess what I have in my lunch tonight for dinner? A peeled orange from peeled. yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> recycle, reuse. Um, this is something that uh, the state auditor, you may know him, brought to my attention. But uh, Utah right now for the 16th year's top of the rich states, poor states report, uh, which is interesting because I think all states are kind of still trying to figure their way out of the pandemic. But apparently we figured our way out through and beyond that. So the economic outlook, uh, we rank first. Economic performance ranks second. I think only beat out by Florida for that. So uh, what are we doing right here? You look at the audits, the numbers in the back rooms that I would be bored out of my mind to look at. Well, I tell folks, first of all, they grade on a curve. And so this, you know, there's still lots of areas for us to improve, but it just sits how well we compare with everybody else. But I think we do well in terms of trying to uh, cut taxes, leave more money with the public. We try and, and improve the regulatory environment so people can start businesses and, and, and grow businesses and have jobs and other things like that. So compared to a lot of other states, I mean, we talk a lot about California and people fleeing California, looking at other places like Utah. And so I think in comparison, we do well there. The interesting thing is um, when we first won this, it goes back to, if you will, the Huntsman tax reform. And I was the house sponsor of that. And Things like a pension reform where Utah was on the leading cutting edge of trying to get our arms around the commitments that were out there that hadn't really been accounted for. And so I was uh, part of that. So it was nice to see over the years, it's easy to lose this kind of ranking. It's hard to keep it. And so for 16 years running, we've been able to keep it. Congratulations to us. And speaking of California, I looked them up and um, obviously still grading on a curb, but they are in 45th place. So it's a jam-packed state. They've got a big economy going on, but apparently there's not something that's earning them the number one spot there. So I think Utah should be really proud of this ranking. I think we have always been really common sense. We've been prudent. We've been practical with our money. And I think when it comes to 
economic ranking, GDP, spending on economic development projects, Utah has always been really good. The asterisks that I would put by this particular ranking are that one is generated and comes from ALEC. So I want to be clear that ALEC is um, legislative coalition, large, well, all of, of conservative um, uh, conservative people and legislators. They often bring forth social agendas. They often bring forth economic uh, agendas. One of their big principles is small government, so you'll see them always rewarding small, tight government. But it should be clear that this is not a, uh, this is not a group of economists. This is a group of political folks yes. who value prudence in government and prudence in spending. So I'm, while I'm not minimizing that, in fact, we are prudent spenders, this isn't, this isn't an economic uh, think tank that puts this out. It's a political think tank yeah. that puts this out. And some of it is a judgment on broader policies. I mean, this is also a policy group that, that spends a lot of time on social issues and really indicts places that are looking at progressive issues. So I think we should be proud, and we are a really well-managed um, state from an economic point of view. For those of us who want more balance when it comes to the human needs, I think that's where I would criticize Alec is I don't think they balance. Um, and I think, I think there's some hypocrisy in small government because I think this legislative session we've seen more reach into private lives than ever, and yet we tout a limited government. So I think we deserve small all... Small government where we want it. Where we big, want it, where big, we where want we don't. It. I think we deserve all the accolades when it comes to really good finances and really good people watching our money. But I would want to know who this came from and who this comes from as a, a political think tank, not, not an economic let think tank. Art Laffer know that he's not really an economist. So. Well, I mean, he is, but Alec isn't. Yeah, right? but it's done in conjunction with art and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, there are three so. or four authors, and they yeah. absolutely have a political band, and they should be proud of their political band, and they should own their political band, but they shouldn't pretend to be neutral. Do you know what I think is interesting? Um, I should have brought the numbers with me, but I've seen several other reports coming out where they're talking about individuals who live in states but Utah has some of the highest mortgage payments and people who are leveraged yeah. to the hilt where our personal debt is insanely high. Our mortgages are way higher than what you think the percentage of your income should be. So we have a state government who's really living within its means. And in the opposite end, we're really keeping up with the Joneses, but like kind of teetering keeping up with the Joneses, which is an interesting Combination. Uh, yeah, combination to see because you would think that maybe the values would be the same at home, but uh, they're not somehow, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. there's also the dynamic of what you preach versus what you practice. Right? Yeah. Right. So, anyhow, the fancy homes here and boats, they come at a cost, guys. So, don't be too jealous of your neighbor. They might be mortgaged and uh, <laughs> what do they call a boat? Their eyeballs. A hole that you pour money into? It I really is, that, right? I know my dad always says that, so that's why we borrow his boat and don't have I our hear, own. I hear yeah, the two happiest, so, yeah. happiest days with the boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I just want boating season, guys. This room actually gets really warm, <laughs> and this is the this first uh, time today that I've been warm in our podcast room. I've been so cold. So boating season at Bear Lake this year is going to be so cold. If you think about mm -hmm. it, the ice is going to melt. It's never going to warm up. I know. So I'm very concerned about my boating this year now that you guys bring that up. Um, I have to talk about this really quickly, but Fox News um, had a settlement in court this week. They were ready to go to trial with the Dominion case. Clearly they weren't really ready. They weren't really <laughs> ready because they settled, and it's a lot of 787 
$1.5 million. That is a lot of oops. Yeah, yeah and originally uh, Dominion was looking for $1.6 billion. Maybe they didn't want it to play out in court because it wasn't going to play out well, but either way, um, they settled. And the interesting thing is is that there's Fox News and then there's Fox Commentary, which I think there still is a distinction there. But a lot of their commentary really talked a lot about Dominion. And Dominion obviously had a case if this settlement happened, don't you think, Mara? For sure. I mean, it's always troubling. They have a high bar to um, to successfully argue slander. But... In and, this, and libel. In libel. And so that, uh, no matter what, that's never a slam dunk. But this settlement, I think, says, yeah, it was a problem. And you pointed out something I think that's important, which is what it would have required of Fox is some of their biggest personalities to yeah, sit. Yeah, to be in the jury room. And to be in the jury room. And they and, and they would be arguing somewhat against their own emails in some instances. I mean, there's and no admit, win. And admit that they knew yeah. and were... Deceiving the public. Yes, yeah. and so that is an untenable. What what was fun, you know, what was down to the last minute is this happened not before the trial started, but rather on the first day. Um, Dominion was really consistent about their victory messaging, which, you know, people were saying there wasn't. The criticism would be that there wasn't an express enough. There wasn't an on-air apology, and there wasn't an express enough apology. And Dominion said that wasn't our goal. Our goal was this. And, and Dominion really pounded, we met our goals, we met our goals, we met our goals. Yeah. So. And like you mentioned, I don't really think Dominion could have won because when you study going into communications and broadcast television, the libel laws, yeah. I mean, trying to win a case like that is really, really hard to do because you have to prove that there was malice and there was intent and there's a lot that goes into that. So I don't know that they would have won, but they would have won in that it probably would have made That's right. Fox look but, really bad. Well, a couple of things from the judge's perspective went Dominion's way and a couple of things like Rupert Murdoch's deposition did not go Fox's way. Right. And it just teed up to be a horrible disaster for Fox. I know, because these guys are not used to being in the position they did. And John said something I think that's really important, is that I've heard some people say, uh, you know, it was not it was half of what they were asking. And I'm like, $800 million? I mean, just That's a lot of, that. of money. That is a ton of money. Especially in this economy right now where you're seeing a lot of technology and a lot of media outlets having to let people go. CNN hemorrhaged a lot of people already. And I don't think anyone wants to be hemorrhaging that much money when we're going into, I think, a tough economic time. Whether it ends up being that or not, I feel like we're sort of already in the tough economic time. But yeah, yeah. so anyhow, we won't be talking about that for weeks in the news cycle because they cut our losses with uh, just settling. It's and true. Writing out a big check, so we'll stop talking about it. No more court TV to watch what's <laughs> going on. I know. And the court TV, speaking of court TV... What I think the nation is dying to hear is the case that's going in on in Boise, the Lori Vallow-Daybell case. That case is just bizarre. It's but really bizarre. the judge saved there's, us from... There's not live TV for it. But wasting our lives listening to that. We only have to have the sketches. And yeah, I'm hear. really mixed on this. I got, I got, I'm a little... I, okay, I'm a little hypocritical because on one hand, I get why this is intriguing. This is a weird, bizarre... It's got elements of it. But... I'm sort of snarking a little bit about news saying it's news. I, I think I think the event is news, a tragedy like this is news, and a verdict is news. I think that the stuff in between is meant for just off the news. Yeah. It's great for podcasts. It's great for real crime, crime dramas. It's great to do in your own time. I, I'm arguing every day of this maybe isn't news so much, much as it is voyeuring a little. My, my wife wanted to watch it because her cousin is the sheriff up there. Yeah. So she just so wanted to see it because of that family connection and stuff. The intensity is there, too, and the grief. I mean, it's sad. 
Yeah. yeah. Just weird, because I think we you can never understand why parents kill their own children. So when it all ends, we'll let you know how that um, plays out. I do have one um, question for you that I felt like had some great Just one question. Week. Just no. one last question. So we talked about uh, this earlier in the week, but Alpine Schools has been in the news because they're trying to um, shut down five schools, which... You could argue um, in either direction there. Parents are super emotional about that. But in between all of that, um, they had a little bit of a hubbub going on because their fifth grade classes, um, which learn U.S. history, were looking at um, their chapter they usually learn on the Underground Railroad. And some of the teachers um, wanted to do a reenactment. So they sent a letter home to parents letting them know they were doing this, sign, we're going to do it. Kids were going to be assigned roles, and the roles would obviously, in this um, case, have to be that some would be slaves, some would be slave owners. I'm guessing some would be with the railroad to help them escape. Some parents were upset. They complained to the school, and the school apologized and shut this down. Mara, was this the right thing to do, or are we just getting too sensitive to history, and we don't let kids just soak in, learn it, and be a part of it? It was absolutely the wrong thing to do. If you're going to teach about American history, you have to understand the black experience. So wrong to shut it down or wrong wrong to shut it down. I mean, this is to say that your child, I mean, it's that old adage that says, oh, you don't think your child can learn about racial discrimination? Well, my child is living it. So it exists and slavery exists and it was horrible. And to not be able to embrace that, there's no blame in learning history. There's no blame in understanding where we came from. And if we are doomed to repeat the past, it is because we refuse to take a look at history and respect what happened and to honor the black American experience, which did include and still does include systems that are not working for minorities. And to be afraid of that makes no sense to me. And I do think educators, I will, I will continue to push back on this wave of non-trained educators thinking that they know more than trained educators. And it's time for us to trust our teachers. Yes, there's an anomaly. See, yes, the there's a person. The district freaked out, too, and then apologized, yeah, which exactly, I thought was a little so strange, afraid. too. Yes. Everyone's so afraid. And I'm saying districts, trust yourself. Teachers, trust yourself. And kids have enormous capacity. And kids can understand and should understand that there have been people who have been mistreated, and to have that experience, that's remarkable. It doesn't just pertain to the railroad. It pertains to all of the experience we have in life where resilience is required. Yeah, so it was I thought a mistake it was to shut it down. And where did you see this? Did you agree that the school where said... Where did I see it? When yeah. you sent it to me. Yeah. Was, uh, awesome. so, so do you agree that the school said, okay, we got to shut this down, this is wrong, it's racist, well, we I, can't do this? Or? I, I'm going to say, first, I think it was good for the school to inform parents. So... Parents weren't surprised after the fact. So their kids stuff. don't come home and they're like, I was a slave. Wait, wait a second. Why, why but, do, but, but, but the other key thing. Slavery is so wet. No, no, no. I just mean on lots of issues that become controversial, parents oftentimes find out afterwards rather than in advance going into it. So they're prepared to talk with their kids about whatever that issue happened mm. to be that was controversial. So I thought that was good from the school's perspective. Like Mara, I do think if we only sugarcoat history and only learn about what's good and kind of ignore what was bad, I think that does a disservice. we got to understand the messiness that was history. The American dream is this great vision of a more perfect union, which means we have a lot of troubled history that we need to learn from to become a more perfect union. And we got to figure out how to work through that. Now, I, I don't know the specifics about this, some being slave owners, some being slaves. Uh, you know, I would hope they would mix it up and you kind of get that experience on both sides so you kind of understand the problem that that was in history and how we need to avoid that going forward. And I, I think 
kids can handle more than we sometimes give them credit for in terms of understanding difficult parts of history. But sometimes we as adults and parents have not come to grips with that ourselves. I know. I thought it was interesting because I was looking at the teachers thinking, okay, high five for instead of just reading out the chapter, you know, immersing the kids in the topic and learning about it because we keep talking about, you know, what color was George Washington's white horse? <laughs> right. White. white. Okay. Great history. So, so I just think that it's a great way to teach kids. I kind of questioned it too when we were talking about it, and the parent and the parent who complained wanted to um, talk in an interview but didn't want to be shown. And I'm like, if you're going to complain about it, show up on camera and let's talk about it. I thought it was interesting because my son obviously is a lot older. He's a junior in high school, but I think it was – First quarter, second quarter, uh, he was in an English class, and I forget what book they were reading. I can't remember now. But he had to play the part of someone who was um, very racist, and they had to go to class, and they had to talk about it and talk about the issues of the book. And I was like, well, good luck today, because I knew that you know <laughs> the kids would probably be like, well, you're a jerk or whatever. But my son's like, it's not a big deal, because... They go, they talk, they know they're playing a role. And so I thought that was interesting, too. It's critical thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's teaching people to come from other people's positions. It's teaching them to be agile about it. And then when you learn how to think dimensionally, you're in the position of choosing your own values and directions. It's not telling people how to think. It's teaching people how to think. And then they can go figure out for themselves what's right and wrong and who will be the most influential in kids figuring out who's right and wrong yeah. are their parents. So I you know I don't think I don't think when when this premise that if other people teach my children things it minimizes my influence on them it's nonsense. I I choose my influence on my children by how much I actively engage with them. And I hope other people challenge and put a bunch of stuff in their heads that they absolutely want to come home and talk to me about because absolutely. then we'll have a really great discussion and I will have someone who can critically think and think for themselves. I just think we're very quick of late in recent years Ah. to always be victims or like we can't do this and shut it down and yeah we should give our teachers credit. Everything is a big deal like everything is controversial. I agree with your use of that word but I'm exhausted by like is everything or is it just now we're all about boutique individualism. That we're raising pansies that don't go toilet paper their neighbors. Boutique individualism. <laughs> yes. Not rugged individualism, boutique. Yes. But I just remember. Please like, don't hurt my feelings, yeah, Mara. Right. I know. And we talk about college campuses now where they want to give a trigger warning before issues. And I'm just like, how do you ever learn to be tough and stand up and argue your side and somebody else's side and listen to both sides if we just automatically take away that conversation where, yes, the teacher, I'm sure, is going to teach that chapter, but we're taking the kids' immersion from it away, and I'm just like, I don't know. Are we doing the right thing? I was seeing a syllabus last night. It's for a class, college kids, they're adults, and it said this one video was optional vulgar language. Mm. It's like, and they probably haven't already heard those words. I'm guessing they all went to junior high, and there was so many words you don't know. Um, our kids are very well educated in naughty words. My children sometimes from my own vocabulary. Some other oh, children. Oh golly gosh, learn. darn! Yes, I say naughty words, but I've read um, that scientifically that that's actually good for my health. I read that so, same thing yeah, too. Yeah. So anyhow, clinging li- to some things. You've been listening to Freakonomics, huh? <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, my house. If the kids say bad words, they learned it from me. My husband does not, so I'd like to apologize to anyone who has heard my kids say <laughs> naughty words or myself. Her swear jar is overflowing. Yeah. Yes, I know. If I had quarters, but I would 
would need someone with a square so I could run my credit card. That's right. Right. <laughs> I don't carry cash or quarters, guys. Sorry. All right, Mara, last word. Anything you want us to think about or do this week? Oh, wow. I know. You know, no, I am like everyone, though. I'm going to repeat your theme. I'm ready. For, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready for spring. It's. I'm usually, I'm a winter person. I'm a fall person. But it does feel like it's renewal Enough's now. enough. And yeah. enough is enough. And it's time. And what I'm loving is seeing people. The the. the the two nice days last week, right? I looked right? at it and people were walking and in the park. And I was like, one of the good effects of COVID, I don't know if this happened in your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, people were much more out in the park having these like big gatherings. Yeah, far people away from realized each other. that you needed so to use the outdoors. So here's my thing. Let's, let's go talk to somebody we don't know. Just say hi. I like those kind of barista relationships where I'm like, good to see you, good to see you. Yeah. We know each other's name. Maybe we know each other's dog's names and that's about it. I love that level of relationship. So I say let's form more of those. Get out and talk. And you have freedom because you don't have to go to the Utah GOP convention this weekend. You can do whatever you want so with true. your time. That is so true. I can do lawn work and uh, start to tackle the I can the buy you a ticket if you'd leaves. like. Oh gosh, thanks. <laughs> let me let me think about How that. How much is a ticket to get in? I, I don't know. I don't. Because yeah. I thought I'm, delegates just I'm show dele- up. And I'm you're, a delegate. Right. You're it's free. Oh, so you can buy a ticket. So if yeah. you're not a delegate, it's riffraff you can like buy, me that buy have to buy. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Uh, oh, I, I just saw it in the email in yesterday. Oh, I'm with two people who just get let in. I know. I just walk in, do whatever I want. So I didn't realize you could pay to go hear the speeches too. All right. Well, if people want to do that with their day. Godspeed. I kid. I think being a part of the political process is important. Please do not take me and say this is not. So I'm proud to be a part of this moment. No offense taken. And uh, Democrats, get yourself a good speaker and I'll come too. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back at it again next week. And hopefully it will be a nice warm day so I don't complain. 